0: of you who
1: don't know, this is Victor Davis. Um, Victor is, has been with us for a while, and he uh, answered the call to go on this trip. Um, so let's start just a little bit about what the trip is, where you went, and then uh, Victor specifically, why did you answer the phone call when Bill said, hey, do you want to go?
2: Yeah, so it was uh, pretty interesting. I was So how I ended up a part of this trip was- well, First tell
1: me where the trip is. Where did, we, where did you go? Italy, what did you do? Italy,
2: first of all, well, we went to Italy. For there was, well, one, we went to Italy to spend time with one of our mission partners, Michael, and his family. And then there was also a Quest Academy conference that we were invited to. Or did we crash it? In? We invited. We were invited. You were invited. We yeah. were invited. So we were invited to this conference. I don't, don't want to talk about it. He doesn't <laughs> want to talk about it. But we were invited. And, um, and so we were invited to this conference in Italy, and, which was essentially basically like a missionary conference for reaching all the refugees that have been kind of scattered uh, along Europe. So and then after that, we made way to Qatar, where we tied him with one another one of our mission partners, Rashid, who is from Pakistan, and um, where we just got to spend time training, equipping him and just uh, having time in fellowship with him and helping him in his church, you know, move forward with the idea of the Great Commission.
1: Awesome. And, and Victor, when Bill called, why did you even answer his call, first of all? Uh, because, I mean, you, you have caller ID. I don't think I called. Uh, you didn't call? Yeah, yeah you, you called. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you did. I, mean, no, it was, get, I have not, a terrible more, memory, more, guys, yeah. like just so you know. They usually text, so right, anyway. Yeah, so
2: Bill, Bill called in the middle of a work day and I stepped outside of our shop, and I was like, man, maybe Bill wants to hang out. Like, Bill never wants to hang out. <laughs> and, and he was like, well, he was like, kind of, in a sense. He's like, hey, he's like, this is, gonna, this is exactly how he worded it. He's like, this is going to be coming out of left field a bit, but he's like, do you want to go to Italy and Qatar for like two weeks, and he's like, I need an answer in like a couple hours. And I was like, uh, let me call my
0: wife. Just like Jesus. That's something Jesus would do, right?
2: So, yeah, so I talked to Gabrielle,
0: and she's like, let's go, do it. And so I called him back. I said. He was like, let's go. And then he was like, oh, wait, but you're not invited. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just it's like me. we're going to it's Italy. me and Bill going to Italy.
2: Yeah, it's not me, you, and Bill going to Italy. It would be weird, but. So, yeah, so I said, all right, why not? Willing Spirit, I love it. Okay.
0: So, so the backstory there is that Victor has been doing the hub with David McCumber, right? And so they've been doing some hub trainings together. Victor's co led the hub with David. And so, um, since when we go overseas, a lot of time it's coaching related to the content that we teach in the hub. Um, you know, I said to David, do you, do you want to bring Victor? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. Because we always talk about inviting people in. To what you're doing and inviting people up to something that maybe makes them feel uncomfortable right and so we decided to invite victor and then david um canceled on me
2: because david david David. didn't think i was actually going to say yes it was one of those things like you're polite to (laughs) ask and then as soon as i said yes he was like oh man yeah something came up i gotta bail yeah and notice he's not here today Right. i just saying, he's, I mean,
0: he's on vacation. He's on vacation. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> Good. So, uh, and Bill, what were some of the goals of the trip from Raval's from standpoint and from yeah. your standpoint personally?
0: I mean, the truth is this. The goals of the trip were primarily relational, which really bothers me because we already established I don't like hanging out. Um, <laughs> but the Middle Eastern culture is a much more relational culture. And so when I talked with Rashid, I said, Rashid and Michael and Hadi, I talked with each of them separately. And I said, I just want you, like, what's the, what would be the perfect week? And I'm hoping they're going to say, like, just, I just want to train for, like, eight hours a day, Bill. That's all I want to do. Just, I just want you to teach through the Book of Romans. <laughs> and they're like, Bill, I just, just really want to hang out with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been discipling these guys online. I've never met Rashid in person. I've been discipling him online for, you know, a year and a half.
1: And tell us real quickly just who's, who's Rashid. Rashid is from Michael Pakistan. And
0: yeah. um, Michael and Hadi, we both met in Greece back in 2019, right? And so it's been years since I've seen these guys in person. And so it was going to be a combination of doing some um, coaching, but really think of it like shepherding leaders. You know, it's like if you were a missionary pastor and you would go and you'd meet with your missionary families and you're checking in, you're helping them work through problems, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. Good. And so so the goals were basically to hang out, which – And and did you, did you actually hang out? That was the, that's the first question.
0: I don't want to talk about it.
2: Okay. Oh, we, we hung out. (laughs) It was, was, that's why Bill brought me to hang out.
1: So um, let's talk about just some of the big takeaways from the first part of the trip, which was Italy. So uh, Victor, you want to start and just give me some of the, some, one of the big takeaways that you had.
2: All right. So one of the things I'll say, well, first in terms of just like the hanging out, like to, when I was trying to understand the trip, You know, Bill was telling me all that, like hanging out with the mission partners and the fellowship, too, you know, you look at like this is all biblically backed. You look in Hebrews, it says two different times in chapter three. It talks about encouraging every day one another. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about stirring one another up and helping to build others up to good works. So, you know, there's a biblical framework that we need to be following when we're working with our mission partners. It's not just like a message on WhatsApp, you know, once a week, you know, to spend time intense fellowship, because if we're going to imitate Christ, you know, like we're called to in Ephesians 5, you know, he was relational, and we should be relational, too, so that kind of, that yeah. kind of helped me understand the framework of what we were trying to accomplish, because when you say it like that, it's like, we're going to go and hang out, it's like, huh, like, all right, cool, this is a mission trip, but no, like, there's something truly biblically special about what that type of goal is, but for me in Italy, in Italy, one of the things that stood out, and another thing that's cool about these trips that I really wanna encourage anybody else, if you get the opportunity and you don't feel equipped, focus on abiding. That's really what matters. Abiding is a bridge to everything else because I have no cross-cultural experience, and on top of that, I really hate to travel. So, <laughs> so I didn't feel totally equipped, but it's not about me, it's about Jesus, and you know, praise God for that, but in Italy, um, the one thing that was cool is different things happened on the trip that we didn't plan, wasn't a goal. It's just kind of things we stumbled into that got orchestrated. So I think it was our second day in Italy, me and Bill, we were just walking around aimlessly. No goal in mind, Just we were just walking.
0: We were like in between the meetup and the beginning yeah. of the conference. So
2: thank you. And uh, so we were just walking around Italy, just exploring. So thank you, Bill, for that framework. We just arrived and walked. <laughs> you gotta make me look good, Victor. <laughs> thank you. I, um, and so, well, me and Bill are just walking. Just wanted to see, explore the area a bit, and we stumbled upon this Roman Catholic cemetery. And so we decided to walk in. And first, before everything else, I'm going to say, I want to give a disclaimer. I was raised Catholic, and I'm not trying to paint all of Catholicism with a broad brush. But there are certain things in Roman Catholicism, you know, that aren't biblically sound. So me and Bill, we walk into this graveyard, and... There a cemetery and just what we see is like first we both felt a lot of heaviness in our heart and the place felt spiritually dark and as we walk around you see just this dedication to death you see like every grave's got all these brand new flowers freshly lit candles with prayers being offered up and you see as we walk around all these crosses where Jesus is still nailed to the cross And so as we're walking around, like, we're just seeing, like, what feels like this fixation and dedication on death. And there's just no hope. The whole place just felt hopeless. It felt spiritually dark. And so it was just a really awesome opportunity for me and Bill to just prayer walk around there. Because, like, has anyone ever prayed the real gospel, the true gospel there? And so because I think an important thing for us to remember is that, yes, Jesus descended to our lowly place. He met us face to face lived the life we should have lived, died the death we deserved. But the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end with him on the cross. He rose again and ascended. And so all who believe in him may not perish, but have eternal life. And so like this gives us hope. And it's like when we were walking through there, it just felt like there was no hope in this place. Because you see different things there, like the candles being lit is often used as a means to have solidarity with a person who passed, which leads into things like intercessory of the saints, which is prayer to saints who have passed, which is all idolatry, right? We pray to God, the living God. And so, you know, so what we have a gospel of hope because when we look at death, we can look at death and see this is what our king conquered. This isn't where the story ends. We can approach death and look at death and preach hope to it because this is what Jesus conquered. And so we can say things like, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? And so and this is why when we feel the weight of the brokenness of this world, that we can approach it with joy and proclaim, hail Jesus. Yeah, amen.
1: I love that. Um, it, I, I would just make
0: one comment yeah. on that. Don't You guys are picturing a graveyard. Nothing like what you're picturing. I mean, when we talk about a graveyard, I'm sure there's technical terms that I don't remember, but so pardon my crassness. I'm talking about drawers of caskets 20, 30 feet high for 15, 20 rows that are 100 yards per row. I mean, this is like, we when we saw it, we thought it was like a palace garden. We're like, oh, maybe this is like the governor's garden. And then we're like, oh, this is a graveyard. Once we went in, it was like nothing I've ever seen before um, in terms of what could only be described as the worship of death. So it's not yeah. like a graveyard, like, oh, look, we drove by Cold Spring. Like, no, not like that.
1: It's almost building altars to yes. the people who are dead as opposed to, yes. to worshiping God. Yeah.
0: yeah, literally, like, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Victor, in your in your framework, when you set out the idea of um, just before that, you, you, you talked about uh, hanging out, but, but it's not just hanging out. It's it's fellowship time, and it's time that, that we grow together in encouragement. And you gave the biblical back, um, you know, the back backing for that. Um, you talked about the importance of abiding over a strategy. So can you can you give me a little bit about that? How where where did the import, importance of abiding with Christ being the equipping point? versus a strategy going in. So does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, so I would say that was pretty much the whole framework of the trip from beginning to end that even carried into Qatar, because we saw in our time in Qatar, like a lot of our original plans got turned upside down. I think Bill's gonna you know comment on that later. So once again, it's not about what anything we were planning on that trip. It's important, you know, every morning that we were spending time in the word and we were spending time in prayer together because it's being, seek to be led by God, not ourselves. And so you stumble onto things like that where we had this awesome opportunity to prayer walk through you know, that cemetery. And you wonder if anyone ever prayed through that before. But as we kind of went into the conference, you know, with Quest Academy, um, you know, it was just a really humble reminder because you have so many brilliant people from all over the world who are seeking to further the Great Commission. And it's awesome and it's amazing. And you know, we got to hear all their testimonies. And it was just so beautiful and whatnot. But as, you know, you're strategizing on how to reach different people groups, you know, it was just a good, humble reminder that you can really get lost in your own abilities. And so, so as we were seeing all this take place, it's like me and Bill just each got to, you know, just comment and help remind that it's, we're not the ones who do the work, you know? So John 15, you know, it's up, Jesus says, you know, abide in me and I in you. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we're going to approach anything we're doing, even with so many brilliant people trying to, you know, push the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, it all starts in abiding. And so, you know, if you want to look deeper at what abiding is, I mean, gosh, you take Deuteronomy 6, which is this idea of just marinating in the Word. Because we always say abiding, and like the one thing I like to do when we did the Hub was like show exactly like scripturally what are the two parts of abiding. You know, it's being scripture-fed and spirit-led. You get Deuteronomy 6 gives you this beautiful picture of just marinating in the Word. Like, the Word of God is just in your heart. It's on your doorpost. You wake up in the way. You teach your kids the Word of God. It is just a full marinating of the Word of God. And then you take a look at something like Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Like, before Jesus goes out and does anything with his ministry, he goes to a quiet place, and he spends time in prayer with his Father. So it's like, you know, when we're approaching everything with Quest Academy in this conference, it's like, Just that reminder of how humble it is. It's not about us. It's about God. He does the work. So be scripture-fed, time in the word, and then time in prayer. And then that will be the bridge to anything else that bears good fruit.
0: Can you comment, Vic, um, on, you know, people might be surprised to think that other Christians wouldn't think about that. And so without... I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that's not nice. That's why I'm not having you do it. So, no, so how would you, can you make comments on, like, how did we see people surprised by that perspective?
2: Yeah, I think what it is, it's almost like this energy to just want to get right to it and not forgetting what you, and forgetting what your foundation is, that your foundation is God, because it was immediately the ideas of coming up, how do we train, you know, missionaries to make disciples who make disciples? And it's like, okay, wait, well, first... Let's go to the word of God and let's abide and, you know, and let's be prayerful. And so when it's like, we kind of saw some things, you know, just kind of getting rushed through and, you know, so when we sat down, me and Bill were part of the Afghan outreach group. And so when we sat down, it's just like this reminder, like God's word tells us all this over and over again. Like as in preparation for the trip, I was reading this book, A Wind into the House of Islam, which I totally recommend for everybody because it's amazing, but when they were interviewing all these different Muslims who came to faith in miraculous ways, they said, what were the top three things that led to all these conversions? You know, to Christianity, and it was the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and faithful men sharing the Word. And it's like, and that is the entire book of Second Timothy. And so when it was just trying to share that, like, this is what our framework is. Like, it's, we don't have to have these crazy strategies or overthink it. It's, you know God's word does the work, be led by the spirit because you know second Timothy you have all scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, faithful men entrusted to share the word to other faithful men who will also teach, and that the Holy Spirit God is the one who strengthens you to do this work
1: yeah amen That's good another another book to add to that is um, is nabil Qureshi's book uh, Seeking God uh, seeking Allah finding Jesus um, that's another book uh, so it, you're, you're the, who's the author of uh, I have no idea. Okay. You remember? Um, David Garrison maybe? We'll we'll try to get it out for you. It's called A
0: Wind in the House of Islam. Yeah. And it's a missiological book that looks about how God is moving in the various, what they're called, houses of Islam. The Central Asian house, the Middle Eastern house, that kind of, North African.
1: And Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus is all about Nabil Qureshi and how he found Christ through a faithful brother in Christ who was sharing with him constantly over years as he was steeped in Islam. Um, So again, the same idea, he came to Christ through a relationship with uh, a fellow, or through a believer, rather, in in Jesus uh, who shared that with him. So uh, Bill, just as we keep moving through here, uh, what are some of the big takeaways from Italy for you?
0: I think the big takeaway for me from Italy is the importance of relationship, and um, I had a friend of mine, some of you guys have met him before, Reed Monahan, he's spoken at Revolve a couple times and Reed said, relationship plus trust equals influence, relationship plus trust equals influence. And that might sound like a no brainer, but in our culture, we actually think skill plus charisma equals influence. Um, But that's not true. What matters is relationship and trust. And I would share that, I mean, that's throughout second Timothy as well, when Paul says, Timothy, you know, my heart, you know, my passion, you know, my persecutions in chapter three verses 10 following. Um, But specifically how we see that playing out in reality is this the two of the guys who were there um, And I don't say this to toot my own horn because you guys know that I'm I'm an introvert. I'm not naturally a very relational person Um, I'm fine by myself and um, one of the things that please no (laughs) Just joking one of the things that came up repeatedly in this conference was that when Michael, who was one of the guys who was leading the conference when he was sharing, um, you know, for no reason of his own, he, he introduced himself and then he said, my mentor is here. I never would have called myself Michael's mentor. He said, my mentor is here as well, Bill. You know what I mean? And, if, and then and Michael had asked us to come early to spend time with him and his wife and their boys, which we did. And then our other friend, uh, Afghan Hadi, who we met in Greece as well, we just kept being his friend over the years. Through the pandemic, I would just message him on WhatsApp, ask him how I could pray for him. I'd pray for him on WhatsApp. And I just did that because it's the right thing to do. I had no alternative agenda. And then after like three years of just being a friend to him, he started actually asking for advice on stuff. And it was funny because the whole, reason Hadi came to the conference even though he was he's an afghan leader and he was probably kind of like the Untitled key guy in that whole group. I feel like everybody looked to him for his opinion even though he wasn't like anybody official Um, At the last day we were getting ready to go and everybody else was going to like go see um, Sorrento and like these famous sites And Victor and I were gonna stay behind because we had a flight later in the day and we were gonna hang out. And I wasn't there for this, but Vic was. And someone said to Hadi, hey, you come to Sorrento? And just real, like almost, he's like, I'm here for Bill. (laughs) Like that kind of idea. And, um, And the point is this, because we took time and developed relationship, there's trust and because of that, there's influence. And so even though we're not a mission agency the words that we say to these men hold more weight than their supervisors if that makes sense and so that reality
2: Yeah one thing I just like to piggyback that I didn't even mention to you on the trip conversation I got to have with Michael was he was sharing with me on well I was asking him like how he got patched in with Bill and you know and all that and he was sharing with me the one reason why that he enjoys working and gravitates to Bill more than anybody else was because Bill treats this as a relationship and not just a business transaction. That, in, you know, when, when he was doing it, it's like people would reach out, you know, say, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that, and all right, see you. And that he said Bill was the only guy who would actually stop to ask, how are you? How can I be praying for you? How's your family? And asking questions like that, and just goes to show once again how important it is to be relational.
1: Yeah, particularly with with some of these these guys who are. I mean, Hadid is, is a rock star when it comes to evangelism. I mean, he he, he walks out and it's, it, he just has this fire burning in his chest, and he just shares. I mean, constantly, everywhere he goes. And and so to have guys like that who are natural leaders and are natural, you know, naturally, you know, not naturally, but but by the spirit are gifted, um, then you know to be able to be poured into by someone that cares for them is the difference, because most people simply want to hitch their wagon to some of these guys and, and say, okay, look, look at what we're doing in the missions agency, look how many people we've shared with, but it's really because of this, this gifting that Hadid has had that he's been able to share with so many people and baptize so many people, and when Bill has gotten into a relationship with him, it's not because of the numbers that he's baptizing, it's because he cares for Hadid and he wants to see him empowered in the best way that he can, not so that we boost our numbers, or, but so that the glory of God is shown through him. And that's kind of the real difference is that relationship that's there. Okay. So moving on to Qatar, why Qatar? And what did you do?
0: All right. So, cause we only got about 10 minutes yeah, and we'll, worship team will cancel the last song. Okay. Um, so with Qatar, we went to Qatar because Rashid, Samuel, and Adnan, three Pakistanis, um, that's like one of the only countries they can go to in the world um, because without, with an easy-to-get visa. And so it was like that or Haiti, and Haiti was like a 70-hour flight for them, right? And so we're like, okay, well, we're already in Italy. We'll go to Qatar. So Qatar, though, if you know anything about Qatar, it's, it's Arab, um, Islamic country. It's like a very controlled state. Um, And so it was difficult for a lot of different reasons first thing that happened is that They would go to check in on their flight leaving Pakistan to go to Qatar and Samuel and Adnan are not allowed on the plane and The reason they're not allowed on the plane is because once they looked at their paperwork They realized they had Christian names like Christian middle name David Jonathan things like that it's very common that when people become believers they Change their name from Dawood, which is the Arabic David, to David, and they think this is great. It actually is not a good idea because what winds up happening is that then you just get associated with the West. So as soon as the um, check-in people at the air at the airport saw their passports, they wouldn't let them on the plane, and they came up with some you know some excuse that wasn't a legitimate excuse. So then we sent we wired more money. But Rashid, by some miracle, got on the plane. And so then we sent more money to Adnan and Samuel to change their flight from a different city. Like, let's go fly out of a different city. They got through check in, they got through security, they're boarded in their seats. And then somebody's looking over the seat assignment roster, sees their names, goes onto the plane, pulls both of them off the plane. And starts basically demanding bribes to allow them to go at which they didn't have the money to do and they weren't going to so two of the three guys never made it to Qatar and by the grace of God they got home safely and they weren't physically assaulted or any of that kind of stuff but that's the way persecution tends to pan out so Rashid was there and our goal was to spend time with Rashid evaluate The health of his church, identify weaknesses, and then push into those weaknesses with tangible action steps over the course of the week.
1: And how did that goal turn out? Do you feel like you were able to? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, I think it gets back to the whole theme of the trip was, you know, abiding and abiding over strategy, scripture fed, spirit led. And so me and Bill, we kind of like, all our plans got turned upside down with you know, with uh, two of the brothers not being able to come. And then hearing, you know, some of the weaknesses to push into, it wasn't going to be what originally we were getting into, but just being, I think we were up to like 1230 the one night, just praying, asking God, what word do you want to put on our hearts to share? Like, where do we take this? You know, and just humbly coming to him, asking him to lead this. And it just so happened the next book I was getting into the next morning was Ephesians, which happened to touch on beautifully every issue that he had brought up the night before. And really, it just um, led to some really great time in the Word with him and great time in prayer with him that, you know, we really both felt like God was moving.
0: Yeah, so we walked through most of Ephesians over the next few days with Rashid. Um, But you can't just, it's illegal to proselytize in um, Qatar. It's illegal to evangelize. And uh, Pakistanis are not looked on with much good favor, and so we would have to constantly move locations, so we would meet in a park for an hour and a half, and then you would start to see the same people walking past, and so then we would walk 15 minutes, and we'd go meet somewhere else for an hour and a half, and you'd go, and you'd meet somewhere else, and you'd go have lunch, and you'd go have coffee. Um, I don't know how to describe Qatar, <laughs> except for I'm like 80% sure our room was bugged. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. like. I don't know what their command center looks like, but it must put NASA to shame. There were cameras everywhere, everywhere.
1: So we have the tweens in service with us today. Yes. Um, And and one of the questions from the tweens um, was, you know, so if there are cameras everywhere, did you have to like read your Bible in secret, like in the bathroom? Mm. Or are there cameras in the bathroom? They were worried about that too. Cameras everywhere, Dave.
2: Everywhere.
0: (laughs) Um, So we would read our Bible on the phone and we would pray with our eyes open and we would just talk and and if someone got too close, we would change the conversation and start talking about something else. The place we actually had the most quality conversations, ironically, was in a park, in the park-like welcoming area like that you walk from in between the parking lot and the building of the the National Museum of Islamic History. And so that was where we had most of our meetings. and, yeah, and we, had, it was, and we had a nice time just praying and, and, and those sorts of things there.
2: Yeah, and we would do things to try and keep it not, because I can be so blasted loud as everyone first heard when we started with the mic, but that we would, you know, we would refer to church as a club, and you know, we talk we'd refer to God as the Father, and then, like, the second person in Trinity, third person in Trinity, and stuff like that to kind of keep it under guise somewhat as to what we were doing in case people were listening.
1: So, you know, I think for for us sitting here in this room, that's a really foreign concept. I mean, all of uh, everything that you just described, the idea that, that, you know, so the question is, what are you risking by, if you said the name of Jesus there, what happened when you did try to talk to somebody about Jesus? Vic, I think you had an incident with that.
2: Yeah, so really our approach was that, just to talk to someone, you know, be relational. like the Just one, like we teach in the hub, yeah,
0: spiritual statements.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah, connecting in conversation, right? So How you didn't come right up and be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? And I just grabbed him and started shaking him and right, started yeah, yelling perfect. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. no, I, um, didn't do that. No, so it's like connecting in conversation, right? Casual, meaningful, spiritual. So the one guy I was talking to... Um, you know, we're just asking about him, where he's, where he's from, you know, he's telling me he's from India, and I was like, oh, do you have families, and yeah, you know, that his wife, he's got a wife who's still in India, not with him here, and just turning that to be meaningful, asking, oh, is that hard for you, do you miss her, when was the last time you saw her, and, um, you know, and he's saying, yeah, he really does miss her, and he wants to get back, and then just offering, like, hey, you know, can I pray for you, you know, just with that, but I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, and his eyes got really wide, like, if you've lost your mind <laughs> and he pretty much booked it and he was gone. So he, he was not he Oof, was not receptive. Just ran down the street. Yeah, he was gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so what do you, you know, what are people risking there when and and really even in Afghanistan, um, you know, when they when they go back home, what do you, what are they risking just to even have a bible?
0: In Afghanistan you're risking death. Yeah. I mean, Afghanistan is absolute uh, risk of death. Qatar is a little bit different because Qatar is 2.3 million people. Only 300,000 people are Qatari. One, uh, the other 2 million are contract workers. It's basically a modern form of slavery. Um, it's like you work for me, your passport is controlled by me. It's in my safe, you can't leave. It's that kind of idea and I pay you nothing. Um, and so the, for a, for us, worst case scenario, we get kicked out of the country, we go on a list, not welcome back. Um, for Rashid, I don't know. So we actually one night we felt completely compelled by the spirit to change Rashid's flight because we flew out at 7am on Friday and he was flying out at 7pm. We actually changed his flight from Friday to Thursday afternoon. And then we hired a service called Al service which was like what you do if like you're a super rich person, like and they walk you through the airport and they carry your bags. And, we, and then we walked into the, the, the concierge service, one on each side of him, and we kept referring to him as Mr. Rashid. We gave the paperwork. They were 100% convinced, I think, that we were like private military security and Rashid was someone special. You know, particularly they,
1: with your haircut and Vic's beard. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was doing a lot of That's curls. That's combo.
0: You know, I was just curling while I was <laughs> talking, and you know, and so they, um, so they treated him like royalty, and like they kept saying to us, "He'll be okay, sir. He'll be okay. We're going yeah, to." Darn care right of he will him. be. And, and Victor, I just gave him like the rock face, you know, <laughs> you know, and um and so anyway, so he got there, he got to his place, but yeah, that was our fear was if we leave, is he going to get seized? As soon as we go.
1: Yeah, so we don't know what protection of the spirit that was. Um, right. We praise God that he got home safely. It was and, mostly because yeah. <laughs> Mostly because Vic's been working out. <laughs> it. All right.
2: Finally understood why Bill brought all these dumbbells. So I was like, oh, okay, now, now I get it. All right, final thoughts because I know we got to wrap yeah. this up.
0: Uh, Let me just pick, wrap it up for the sake yeah. of time here. Yeah. Can I do that? Do it. Um, so th- for, I would say... One of the themes for me I read early in the week on the way over was Romans chapter 1, verse 5, and I'm going to quote it in the NLT. Paul said, I have the privilege and the responsibility of sharing the good news. And um, that kept coming back into my mind. We have the privilege and the responsibility, and both of these things are important. And so you have to remember, as we were singing, we are victorious we know the end of the story. The darkness does not overcome. You know, the worst thing that, do not fear those who could kill the body and not harm the soul. Fear the one who can kill the soul, who can destroy you, throw you into the pit. Um, the truth is that the worst thing that could happen to us is we die. Okay, which is to live as Christ, to die as gain. And there's a sense in which you have to come to grips with that reality because he is worthy and there's something greater than your life at stake. And so we embrace that reality with joy because what a privilege to be able to go and share the gospel and we have a responsibility to do it.
1: Yeah. Amen. Uh, Let me tack on two things. One, we have the privilege here to meet freely. So we praise God for that privilege. We pray for the people who don't have that privilege. Um, So again next sunday if you want to come we have a, this is a shameless plug uh, we have that that study before church at uh, at 8:30 is when we start you can dig into the word in public in a school no less a government owned building that is crazy what a privilege that we have for that um, but we we do pray that uh, if if anyone is in here today that does need prayer that feels somehow compelled like hey i haven't been walking in obedience and i want to um, then it's a, simple, it's a simple thing. Any of us will stand in prayer with you, um, you, but there's also a priesthood of all believers, so anyone in this room can stand with you who's, who wants to pray with you. So grab somebody, pray with them, come down here uh, after the service if you want prayer. Uh, every week, we want to we have that open to people. So make sure that you're, you're available to do that and, uh, and, or make sure that we're available to do that. And uh, then come on down and, and we'll pray for you. But let's, uh, let's close this time in prayer. One, 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 one more thing. thing. I if, want the last word.
0: If you go and help tear stuff down, yeah. um, because we are, like David's not here, Jen's not here, leave everything in the foyer until I come up so that we can have like some form and function to the process of packing the trailers. Okay, thank you.
1: Yeah, well, let's pray. Father, we do praise you for the freedoms that we are afforded here, uh, that we can sit, as I said, in a government-owned building uh, and proclaim the name of Jesus as King. Uh, Lord, what a privilege that is. And we do pray for the, the millions of brothers and sisters uh, throughout the world who right now are at risk of arrest, of death, of uh, seizure of property, Lord, all of those things uh, just for having a Bible in their possession or speaking your name. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you, are, uh, you have a name of power, that it is a name of beauty. It is a divisive name uh, because of the truth of who you are, that you make yourself available to everyone, and yet it becomes so offensive um, to, to anyone who is trying to earn their own righteousness. So, Lord, we thank you for the truth of who you are. We thank you for this time that we've had together. I pray, Lord, for our hearts as a church that we would be moved to understand the importance of reaching out to people around the world, the importance of reaching out across the street, next door. Lord, I pray that you would compel each of us to be bold this week, to proclaim the gospel. Lord, we don't have fear of legal retribution, uh, but we do have the opportunities, and we have a desperate need even here in our own community. So I pray, Lord, that you would work in each of our hearts to be looking around the world and looking in our own neighborhoods for who we can reach for the name of, of, of your son who died for us. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're dismissed.